All right. Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Jason from Frozen and Carbonite, and I'm joined this week by Mike Munzenreiter and Patrick Cunango to talk about the, uh, let's say, more eccentric members of the skate industry. But first, author Jose Vadi, friend of the podcast, recently published a piece in the Yale Review. Not going to be confused with the Yale Law Journal that does a super good job describing skating and skate culture for civilians. The title of the essay, More Joy, Less Cool, reflects Vladdy's conclusion that skating's more inclusive, more socially aware vibe these days is a step in the right direction. Patrick, is skating cooler now that it is less obsessed with being cool or does this even matter? I'm often reminded of the old blockhead t-shirt. Hey man, what's cool? Nothing is cool. Yeah, one of of the greatest, uh, most iconic graphics, skate designs of all time. Yeah, that was, oh my God. I had a classmate in junior high school who had that joint and I just thought it was brilliant. Um, interestingly enough, I've, I've, so I've never met Jose Vadi, but his dad was a professor at Cal Poly Pomona and he was the professor of my old friend and DJ partner back in uh, Washington, D.C. some years back. And the thing I really like about Jose Vadi as well as Cal Beachy and a handful of other authors out there is that on one hand, they're still skate rats and they still talk about skating in a relatable way. At the same time, though, they have the type of voice and discipline and research chops that allows them to be published in a place like the Yale Review. And so posh people can understand skateboarding. Uh, Whether or not that's a good thing, I don't really know. But the thing that's really awesome, though, is that we're moving further and further away from this really tired, hackneyed idea of the skater as the eternal rebel, right? Like, what good is uh, what good is rebellion in a society where nobody gives a fuck anyway? I mean, I don't know. It's, you're, you know what? A few weeks ago, we talked about skaters who have mullets. And they're not ironic. And they're not weird. <laughs> like, they're just rocking them. And they're not thinking twice about what anybody else thinks. I mean, Mike, are we living in a post-cool era? I'm like pulled a couple different ways with it. Because, I mean, we all came up when... Part of me wants to say skating was more cool, but it was also full of a lot more assholes. Yeah, skating was like full of assholes. And I remember the other day at the skate park, like the last time I skated, it's been too far long. Winter is long. But, you know, we, me and a couple other 40 plus year olds were talking about how, oh, yeah, that guy, you remember him? God, he was a dick. You know, and it was almost like we were power ranking these dudes from back in the day of like who was the bigger asshole to whom and yeah i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with that being gone um maybe there's like too little of an edge than i'd like to see like maybe i'd like to see a little bit more of an edge but if that means like people are straight up assholes to each other again don't need that i mean that was the whole 90s right yeah i mean it was cool to be a dick yeah it was absolutely and that was people's well let's be clear it was dude's entire personalities and skating like who's who's the bigger dick so leaving all that behind is a huge step in the right direction um so i guess i just talked my way through like you know my my myself being pulled in a couple different directions i think it's all all progress on the front of making skating a better place for everyone and i know i've said it before on here like it's way more interesting when it's more open to everyone yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I mean, as a diehard World Industries kid, you know, you definitely look back at the EMB crew and, you know, whack nostalgic or whatever. But 
it's kind of funny that they they kind of set the tone for each individual scene around the world pretty much and they were just a bunch of fucking like 14 15 year old you know so that was kind of funny but it's definitely you know cooler now that you know the uh i guess to use the term that people use these gatekeeping is kind of out of here and you know even if you're not into like bonuses or um you know people doing texas plants off of ledges or whatever you don't even have to check for that shit like the media is such you can curate your shit to where if you're only into i don't know like spanish euro legend engines like you can just you know watch that you know but yeah i think patrick is right that skating isn't really is skating rebellious anymore i don't know i kind of don't think so like it's in every commercial like the facebook commercial during the super super bowl whatever every every freaking apple or android phone commercial so yeah it might not be rebellious anymore but is being rebellious even a thing like that's cool to be like the whole james dean archetype you know Nah, they'd be like, even... bro, go to therapy. What you so go, mad go, at? Go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why are you so uh why are you so sullen over there? You know? <laughs> Skaters in the nineties would rather be rebellious than just go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Go to therapy. So that whole ar- archetype, who knows if it's even fucking cool anymore? Like I think that it is, but I'm a fucking uh, Gen X, you know? Like the whole uh, you know, the whole blackhead t shirt, that was pure fucking weapons grade generous <clears throat> nihilism you know nothing yeah cool. dude that's exactly <laughs> what i was thinking it was like yes nothing everything sucks nothing is cool you know only thing i care about is not caring yeah the only thing i care about is not caring yes as a great philosopher once said so then back to the the article itself so focusing on the fact that jose is able to really write in detail without going too far off into the deep end like it's still you know the average reader for the Yale, you know, the, the Yale review is going to pick this up and be like, hmm, this seems quite interesting. You know, honey, do we know any skateboarders? Like, I, I, like the fa- I like the fact that he's able to do that, uh, that tightrope walk uh, because that's an incredibly difficult thing to do. It's, it's very similar to when, you know, there are instances where there have been historical instances where you know that the culture is shifting when X is written about in the New York Times. So I think about a very famous review of, I think it was Sgt. Pepper's in the New York Times. And I can't remember if they loved it or hated it. Hmm. But the fact that the Beatles were being written about in a major paper of record in such a, uh, a serious tone showed that they were at the center of the culture. And back to, you know, Jose, you know, I've read a bunch of his other work and loved his book, Interstate, or his collection of essays, Interstate. And what's kind of sad to me, though, is that, you know, I... Um, Listening just as a fan to last week's episode of the podcast, which I was not on. I was off that week. Um, Y'all talking about university and how people our age, you know, in our general age range, have a wildly different perception of college and of writing and of intellectualism than, say, people even 10 years younger and definitely wildly different than people who are 20 years younger. What makes me sad is that because university tuition keeps going up and up and up and because the college experience is being gentrified out of the reach of the working class, middle class, and even some upper middle class people, that you won't be able to create writers like a Jose Vadi or a Kyle Beachy. You know, it's like, these are just guys we skate with. They went to college. You know, y'all two are both writers, right? Y'all two went to college. You know, you still skated. You still skate now. You know, you're both excellent writers. 
And it's not like it's any sort of magic trick or anything like that. It's something that you learn how to do and you continue to enjoy doing. Whereas now, because it's so expensive to live in big cities, right? And it's so expensive to go to college that to be a full-time professional writer, you know, you either need the contacts, the wealth, or just like the out and out, like amazing talent off top or all of the above to be able to be, to survive as a writer. And that's super frustrating that there's people who won't be able to have that opportunity unless you make some radical changes in education policy in American life. Like that's the thing that kind of makes me a bit sad. Like it's not like Jose Vadi, you know, went to, you know, he went to, uh, he did, uh, he's an excellent writer, went to great schools with great writing programs, but it wasn't something that was completely out of pocket, you know? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think part of that is why I really tried to bang the drum for, um, you know, half of my, college experience which was the the community college route which you know i i don't i think if you're there to there to do it it's an accessible form and um yeah i don't i don't know what i have to add there anything anything from you jason yeah uh make i mean making a living as a writer is impossible obviously like i think people get hooked up through mfa programs or some shit you almost have to like get optioned to be a like TV show or movie or something to make any money. Like I know one dude who did and it never got the, the, the shit never got made, but he still got like a hundred, hundred grand or something. I don't know. Oh man. But yeah, let's go back to his article. He does a good job talking about, you know, pros, different roles they play in the industry. And one thing he said was that that was really cool was that there's a cast system in skateboarding. Like the top tier would be like, yeah. They were in pro or in the pro ranks. Top tier would be like your Van Series, Street League, X Games, Olympic dudes. Middle tier will be like I assume like middle tier pros, like your you know Mark Sushu people, people who ride for Alien, people who still have you know like shoe contracts or whatnot, and like the bottom tier will be like your local kind of like indie company pros. Not like they're bottom tier, but you know what I mean, like third tier in this cast system metaphor, I guess. You right. Know, I thought that was pretty fucking interesting too. So let's say, you know, thinking about the, the target audience for the Yale Review, let's say, you know, we're a bunch of uh, upper middle class dudes living uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut right now. And how do you like just like putting yourself into one of those one of those hedge fund bros, what an, into their into into put yourself in their shoes? What would you be thinking about right now after finishing this article? If you knew nothing about skateboarding, what, what would be the first thing that would come to mind? Oh, they'd probably be like, hey, I used to skate. <laughs> <laughs> i was like what was that like what's that website the hard times or something they had, yeah yeah you know, those onion type websites they had a post a few days ago that was like like 3.5 billion men used to skate or something <laughs> I mean, basically i don't know it's, it's so, so funny <laughs> but yeah it, it's like we said like people who are in those positions now people who are hedge fund managers are gen x people who are like 50 ish or whatever unless they're like you know 70 or 75 you know like you know boomers are like 75 ish you know now 70 or 75 are getting up there and like the people who are you know in the power positions target audience for the yellow review are like 50s and they probably in their 50s and they probably remember the tony hawk and shit and the bones brigade so that might be part of why skating isn't rebellious anymore because the people who are the quote-unquote establishment used to skate or at least you know we're exposed I mean? to it. Yeah, you're, you know? yeah. Mm. We're, we're exposed like, like to have, it. Like have, have even maybe a baseline understanding of it. 
Oh, because you also just reminded me too, like a lot of the, at least the cats I knew um, or the cats I know from Connecticut who are about our age, who are in the hedge fund world or, uh, or our attorneys, interestingly enough, like they're all like serious Wu-Tang fans. Like they love oh, yeah. hip hop. Like, it's weird. It's like on one hand, it's just like, it's like Todd, like, like you talk like a goon, but you work on Wall, Wall Street. Like something doesn't add up here. Well, I think it's, I, maybe it's a, maybe it's a skater thing from those rebellious days, you know, it's like people our age are coming in to kind of be the people in charge. I, I felt it at, at the last kind of family reunion when a younger cousin got married. It's like, oh, like all the cousins, all me and my cousins, we make kind of the call of what's going on. And like the, the parents are kind of in the background now. It's, you know, the shift has happened and all the people that have kind of shifted into the driver's seat, they're, people that you know grew up experiencing skater for better or worse for antagonistic or i used to skate it's not kind of the game plan that we have cemented in our minds from the early to mid 90s yeah like 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 we had said it, it was cool to be a dick actually interesting question though do y'all mind if a shop's like you mind you want me to do your grip for you right quick or are you insistent like i gotta grip it my way oh i insist i insist on gripping my own board yeah yeah, last time I was in that situation was at uh, Board of Missoula. Shout out, MOB, fantastic shop. Had the best workbench I've ever seen. It was organized to a T. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely just gripped my own board there. Did, did they have a bearing press? They had a bearing press. Oh, man. Yeah, I was in the complete. forgot my board situation. And so I was setting up a complete, weird complete. They had the bearing press. It was, it was pretty fun. Well-functioning bearing press too. You don't always find that. Dang! So they actually they, they maintain their tools. That's impressive. Yeah, evidently. I mean, y'all have seen sometimes sometimes in like mm-hmm. uh, the the screwdrivers or the power drills in a skate shop. You'd be like, y'all didn't take shop class. Like, <laughs> what is this? I think power drills, unless you're you've got like the the nut attachment on it. I'm gonna sound like an idiot calling it that, but skate shop mine. You can only you can only have a socket on the power drill if mm-hmm. you're a self-respecting skate shop. Otherwise, fools are wrecking their hardware. Yeah, I'm a I'm afraid to use power tools setting up a board. I'm afraid I'll strip the uh, the hardware. I, I whenever the hardware question comes up in you know the uh, the the modern forum of skateboard Twitter, people are always talking about stripping Allen hardware. I'm like, are you using a drill on your Allen hardware? Who is doing that? Who's stripping Allen hardware? I've seen it in shops and it's insane that like, okay, you, you, you turn it like eight times and it's on. See, what's weird is like, um, I recently got a set of uh, some shorties hardware recently to set up a new board. And I noticed like, it was like brand new. And I was just like, something's fucked up here. Like it felt like they were, uh, they were it was a, some sort of manufacturing flaw. I like, could not get, and I had three or four different Phillips head screwdrivers with me. I said, like, this shit is not working out. And then I'm just reaching out for, um, I had some, like, another set of older hardware that was in my my toolbox. And that was super frustrating. Have you all ever had that happen to you? And normally, like, shorties is decent. I don't know. This, like, I'd like to chalk it up to bad luck. I would hate to put them on blast because, you know, manufacturing errors happen, boards delam, trucks crack, but it shit sucks. Has that ever happened to you all? What happened? You got a bum. Yeah, bum set of hardware. You got a bum bolt or whatever. Yeah, like no, a bum set of bolts. The whole joints was just like, come on, man. I don't, yeah, I don't think so. One time I got some Spitfires, like one of them just like disintegrated into like a like a potato. 
uh, and like a little roast potato. And I was like, oh, whatever. Are you sure you didn't buy those from Mike York? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Shout out to Mike York. We love you, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that both in this article and in um, the Muslim thing and also in mid 90s, like setting up a board is a really important, you know, touch point for the culture you know because it is it's definitely like a like a zen type moment oh yeah like getting the air bubbles out and everything i just yeah. tried that uh set up a board with that pepper grip tape i actually really like it no shit yeah mm. yeah like i got picked up my perf- friend yeah does the perforation help uh with the bubbling almost no bubbles right and the, yeah. it does a, do you feel more comfortable with the wider grip tape yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. And what's interesting, like you actually just brought up an interesting point about the Zen of setting up a board. If there was a silver lining to everybody being a dick in the 90s, it was that you never set up your board the wrong way. You never put on your trucks <laughs> back to front. You know, the, the, the fear of the embarrassment alone, we're just like, man, I got to get this correct. Whereas now, like, I, hear, I feel like I hear that happening more now as folks were setting up new boards. Back then, it was just like, it's like, if you screw this up, like, <laughs> they're going to cook you for the whole summer. So, a um, couple points on that. Hardware. Defective hardware? Oh, my God. Uh, monkey Grip and Bolts. Y'all remember that company? Uh, oh, yeah. Useless Wooden Knowledge just had the Monkey Grip logo as a, as a piece of trivia. They used to sell bolts that were, you know, multicolored, rainbow, hot, hot green, neon, whatever, purple. But they were literally just like some bargain basement bolts dipped in paint. I, I want to think it's more sophisticated than that, but I really don't feel it was because that shit would strip off. And so, yeah, my old skate park job, you'd be like trying to fit an Allen key or a Phillips head into the into the top of the bolt. Then you'd have this nut that was coated in paint that wouldn't go on the bolt. And oh, my, we opened so many multiple packs of hardware just to like finish a sale for a kid and get him out of the way. So you could set up the board for the next kid it was unreal and then the other thing that comes to mind with like kind of the sacred task the tradition the the way you set up a board um just working in shops so long like with the rise of zoomies we'd have people always come in with just like this hack job grip job and then the kids at zoomies would put the bolts in finger tighten the nuts finger tighten everything and then be like all right it's done and they wouldn't tighten stuff for people, I remember. And so you'd have people come into the real shop, whatever job I was at, and you know, we'd just shake our heads and evangelize, tell these people and they'd believe us that you need not ever go to Zoomies again and then secure their board so it's actually rideable. So back to literature. Um, last year, I read Top of Mason by Walker Ryan. And I enjoyed it. It was like, the, it was, um, didn't travel much last year. But it was like strong airplane novel energy, which I like, you know, I don't have to dive too much into it, but it was an enjoyable read. So what would it take to make, say, a great 600 page novel about skateboard? Oh, boy. I think we talked about this when uh, Kyle Beachy was on. Yeah. And I don't think Kyle had an answer. (laughs) (laughs) I I think like he uh, he tried, but it didn't work. I don't know. know. The thing about skateboarding is that like it's. What is it? I don't know. Jose Vadi wrote very eloquently about what skateboarding is, and he did it in about 900, 1,200 words. But, 
you know, what, it, what is it really? How do you stretch it out that far? How does it, you know, there's no narrative to it unless I'm, you start spitting facts. What about, you know, I mean, uh, you, we had mentioned Mike Carroll a couple times uh, on this episode. I mean, that's a man who's had an amazing life story. Uh, maybe not a novel. Shit, could you make a Mike Carroll movie? I would watch that. Like a biopic? Yeah, like a biopic. And, and it would be like, yeah, there'd be some actors who'd want to get a stunt double. But, you know, you'd want to find somebody who would do like, say, Andre 3000 did for that really terrible Jimi Hendrix biopic, which he worked way too hard on. Andre 3000 learned how to play guitar left-handed correctly to be able to play Jimmy's part. And he studied hundreds of hours of interviews with Jimi Hendrix to be able to kind of get the, the affectation of his voice correct. Like, wouldn't it be awesome to find that there's, there must be somebody in Hollywood who's like, I'm going to learn how to skate like Mike Carroll at his peak. Did that kid from mid-90s get a little bigger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. he's grown up he a rips. bit. Yeah. He rips. Like, I saw someone, some of his footage. Like someone like him, just like it'll be, you know, something like uh, the Mike Carroll story. What would, like what would be a good title for you know something with like a word and then uh, colon the Mike Carroll story. Well, I'll I'll tell you as you as you guys know, I've been working on EMB the musical for yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, for years. So that part that's gonna have some you know uh, semi biographical elements. So is well. it going to be what they say? Like, all right, five, six, seven, eight. Five, six, T dogs. Yeah. T dogs. Ooh, T dogs like would five, be a hot five, six, seven, eight type of shit. <laughs> you yo, know? yo, all the T dogs sing. All right, I'm going to fully cop to being a uh, the father of a five year old, but in the soundtrack for Tangled, there'd be a six song to model. T dogs on. <laughs> I'm, gonna DM, I'm gonna DM you that that right quick, okay? So yeah, just, but man, but uh, yeah, I don't know if that, that would be a Carol biopic would be sick, but I don't know if that. I mean, but there's zillions of biopics in the works, you know. But yeah, I don't know if there's a might be too niche, but I mean, like they make biopics out of the stupidest people. Like, do we really need two Elizabeth Holmes biopics? Hell no. Or, or like a. Uh, like I wild pick about Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth <Batman>. like, <laughs> I just think like a, a Mike Carroll biopic, just like, you know, in a quiet little part of Daly City, somewhere south of San Francisco. You know, you get that you get guy. But then again, EMB, the musical would be amazing because, you know, you I think just like imagine having, you know, having songs about beef and, you know, getting into fights at the <laughs> yeah. Carl's um, Jr. I mean, not not to I don't want to, you know reveal too much but you know hurricane helen has her own uh number <laughs> oh that's perfect yeah she has a full song and dance number i think for the mike carroll biopic the uh preview like like the the movie theater preview gotta be set to imib yeah yeah that's yeah, oh okay how about this mike carroll biopic you know coming soon to a theater near you black screen the most iconic sound in 1990 street skating Someone pushing on the EMB bricks. Oh, oh, I heard it. I right? Right? Yeah. And then, it, and then, <laughs> and then gradually fades in Mike Carroll going and pushing. You're like, okay, also, who do we get to play Jacob Rosenberg, though? We're going to have Greg? a Mike Carroll biopic. Who's Greg Carroll? Yeah. <laughs> yo, yo, Time Warp, Edward Norton, Greg Carroll. Yo! <laughs> <laughs> okay here's the thing i think we're giving away too get, much uh, we got a treatment yeah. here we have a treatment here 
Yeah, my brother is an agent. Much, you're giving away too much game for free. You yeah, just put the put the treatment, bang out the treatment. Hey, hey can I drive back onto the road? Yes. Uh, <laughs> one one thing I would love. I don't I don't want to put uh, Jose Vadi's piece in a box, but like we we have a ton of great mainstream. I don't I don't know where to put the Yale review in, like in terms of mainstream coverage writing about skateboarding but i think one thing that's kind of like crossed my mind um as of late reading these stories you always get the and i think noah johnson commented about this on twitter this week you 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 get the yeah the surfers got bored and they took it to the asphalt (laughs) and i think that's that's fine but i do like we were kind of talking about the majority of people reading just know skateboarding as this thing that exists and I thought about it in terms of like, I don't even know the origins of quote unquote American football, but like NFL coverage is pretty happy with focusing on the idea that this is a thing and you know it. I think what's what's missing is how, and I mean, even if you do include the the surfing origins, how skateboarding has become kind of the umbrella that's over all these things that are related, be it surfing, snowboarding, freestyle skiing. I, I read some story and they were cribbing skateboard trick names and using them for skiing, like skiers ride fakey. What does that have to do what? with skiing? You know? Oh, uh, like backwards? Backwards. And it, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's I, I think it's worth pointing out that all these other sports, and surfing included very much because... You know, there's only so much you can do on a snowboard. Like everything's become subservient to skating. And, you know, at least in that action sports realm, it's really king of the hill. Well, maybe that goes back to the 90s, like when skateboarding was rebellious and rebellion was cool. And maybe the other part of it is that there's just enough. There's just enough. Like there's like a critical mass of people in skateboarding who are still trying to maintain some of that positive but negative cool energy it's you know what it's almost like nuclear power right (laughs) it can be destructive and deadly if mishandled and not well taken care of but in the right amounts it can produce amazing energy and do beautiful things uh by the way that is not an advocacy for nuclear power that shit is crazy well yeah i mean the best you know in my opinion the best skating whether it's you know street skating or pool skating or ramp skating is like fucking aggro you know it's always been at least since you know the 70s like a fucking aggro thing and as long as you know especially with street skating as long as street skating exists as it does now it's still gonna be rebellious because you're breaking the law you're defacing property you know so that's that element of you know cool or rebellion or at least that facet of cool is always gonna be there Oh, as street skating exists. So then, Jason, especially as as someone who's down in Richmond, and with all of the uh, the Civil War memorials, which um, which were turned into skate spots after the big rebellions in the summer of twenty twenty, I was just thinking about a spot that was skating in downtown LA, which is a monument to California settlers. And I was there with a buddy of mine. I was like, okay, now we definitely got to fuck this place up. Yeah, you know, because it's basically basically you know it's a great celebration of the destruction of the West. So I was like, cool, we're gonna fuck up this marble then. That was a big moment, the old uh, Jeb Stewart pyramid down there. Yeah, that footage. That footage was amazing. Goodness, you know, in a perfect world, like, couldn't we just have like w- like one day a year, like that terrible movie, The Purge, where it's just like <laughs> skaters just get to go skate every spot. Like, it's just like good. Like, we just get it out of our system. 
We we need the first skater president. <laughs> we know presidents have so much power to influence what 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 actually happens. Right? We um no that was that guy Beto O'Rourke. We, we blew it. Ah shit. <laughs> He was endorsed by Thrasher Magazine, the Bible. You got a chance to have a skateboarding president. But... <laughs> I will not comment on this matter. He didn't make it past. Uh, I don't know if you. I don't. I don't know that much about like the presidential politics. I think he lost he didn't to make Ted it very Cruz, far. which is yeah. He didn't make it very far. So, question though, like, what would what would it take to convince you to vote for a politician who skates? Like, what what trick or tricks? Like, would they have to drop like a full part and make that their campaign ad? They'd have to have they, a dope frontside flip. Dope frontside flip. <laughs> Does anybody see, see where I'm trying to take this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we brought him up before. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. He... Yeah, okay. <laughs> how about this? How about like this? A, presidential the candidate. best frontside flip. Okay, Pre- sorry. Presidential candidate. Like, let's say USC ledges. Uh... Jesus Fernandez cannot. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Constitutional law. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. How about this? Just like on flat plus a low ledge nearby. Nolly heel on flat keeps going, and then a nice back tail, and that's their campaign ad. You voting for him? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Damn. In good technical outerwear. Yeah, damn. I mean, we'll probably get like a president who used to skate, you know, quote unquote, pretty soon. I mean, chances are. I mean, nine billion people, three point five billion men used to skate, according to hard times. Or women. Hey. Hey. Hey, there you go. But here's the thing. I want to see Tony Hawk get a Presidential Medal of Freedom, but I also want to see Steve Rocco get some sort of cabinet position. Yo, Steve Rocco for president. Oh, yeah, Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to give everybody money. Can, see what the campaign hell. ads they would can be fire. Him. His campaign ads and ruffle <laughs> feathers. He just, he just campaigns against George Powell the whole time. <laughs> just doesn't know what's going on. And people are just All like, right. fuck it, I'm voting for Rocco. <laughs> Who is George Powell? Wait. <laughs> Oh, speaking of Powell Peralta or Powell or whatever they call themselves these days, and also speaking of cool, specifically skaters who don't give a fuck if they are, Andy's recently released an Instagram press release welcoming the aforementioned Powell Pro Andy Anderson to the team. Anderson, who pulls off the hat trick of uncool with A, helmet, B, rail, C, freestyle tricks, is part of a long tradition of, uh, how should I say, eccentric type skaters mike who are some of the most memorable eccentrics of skating what part do they play in the culture writ large Ooh, i'm saying early on for me had to be simon woodstock i always thought he was silly but it was like always centered on doing actual actual skating did he do a frontside flip on a skim board with trucks on it like i don't City i don't think i don't think so he definitely skated a few contests with a skim board yeah uh maybe in a clown suit maybe Wait, we t- both are we talking about andy anderson or simon woodstock I, i'm talking andy. woodstock right now <laughs> well it, it's it's funny we we talked about so much how you know cool was the currency in the 1990s and i can now reflecting in this very moment realize how simon woodstock was like anti that cool mentality but even then Wind skating was a rebellious thing. I I I was into him, and then I kind of was just like, eh, yeah, it's kind of. What's the best word to describe Simon Woodstock pre full meltdown into cuckoo land? I don't know, just like a like a weirdo, I guess. Yeah, like like skating. What do you skate? Like a board with ten trucks on it or something? 
What didn't he skate? I mean, yeah, we, it, we keep like, bringing up these setups and they sound kind of tight. Dartboard. <laughs> I mean, he, he was, uh, you know, I think we, we've talked about him a little bit in previous um, when talking about Big Brother. Um, for the Instagram era, Simon Woodstock would have been a legend and probably forget, actually forget Instagram. He would have been a superstar on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Forget about it. You know, but, you know, I think even for some people that might be a little bit before their time. I think that the modern incarnation of whatever you want to call it, um, MTV called Simon Woodstock a pioneer of creative skateboarding, which is probably, mm. you know, that's pretty polite. Eh. It's not creative skateboarding. I don't know. I think redundant. Yeah. Like skateboarding is inherently creative, right? Like, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I mean, we, we toyed with the idea of calling these skaters the freaks of the industry, but you know, that's a little <laughs> bit too deep, too deep of a digital underground reference for the, for the youth. But um, I would say, like, for right now, modern skateboarding, that weirdo era, weirdo-type skating really started a precursor would be, like, a Simon Woodstock, maybe Josh Casper and Trilogy a bit with the Benny Hanna. But, dog, tilt mode, all the enjoy videos, like, the whole, like, that whole scene in Cupertino, you know? All those dudes ripped, though. That, I, I, I put at the bottom of the notes, like, where does Louis Barletta fit in here? Well, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I think Louis Barletta would fit in there because because of the whole like uh, you know bowl cut. Like, do you guys remember that comedian Emo Phillips from the eighties? Oh yeah, he was on uh, what was that show? <laughs> Doctor, uh, was it Doctor Katz, professional therapist? Yeah, yeah, I think he was was a voice on there. That's who Louis Barletta reminds me of, just like with like the bowl cut and like like really weird tricks like indescribably weird but you knew you always knew he ripped though like he could right you know, do some shit a, a lot of these dudes it, it seems like or some of them it seems like they don't really rip that hard and they just like get attention through like how they dress or whatever i don't know the keyword is and, rip oh go ahead go ahead and and some of them are just they exist on the fringes like your todd falcon and uh, maybe like that guy, Nate Sherwood, who does all the pressure flips and whatnot. You know, they kind of exist on the fringes of the skate consciousness. What about Costin? Oh, Co- he, Costin. He's, he's always done dorky tricks. Like like with the dork tricks? Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of like his shtick, I think. Like It's a bit. It's a, it's a, it's a bit. Like, he seems just like a regular type of dude um, besides that. Like... These guys have like either eccentricities or they have like outside, like eccentric outside interests, or they stand out from like the regular skater who's like, you know, in the 401 interview, they're like, oh, what do they do? Oh, like play video games, talk to girls, like cars. They're not interested in that shit. They have totally an eccentric type of vibe, type of interest. So, what about um, the whole fancy lad crew? Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like it's especially these days with Instagram and shit, there's like a whole cottage industry of weird tricks that get traction online, you know, or that go viral and shit. So, as a follow up question, then, like, w- what is it about this type of skating, whatever it is, eccentric skateboarding, whatever, that it seems to skew more heavily? Like, it's like it, it's very dude heavy. Like, who are the women or non binary people in skating who are doing this kind of thing in earnest not just like oh i'm throwing like a weirdo boneless here or uh like a funky pressure flip like this is my whole thing i mean i kind of jokingly put down like real 
the quality is <laughs> when there's more women in the eccentric realm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I can't seem to recall a woman skater who would qualify for the eccentric realm. I don't know. Maybe that's uh, uncharted territory. I don't for know. The future. I guess it's the future, but like, like I'm looking at the list that uh, somebody jotted down here, and I see Paulo yeah. Diaz's name. I feel like I got to contest that heavy. Paulo Diaz is a god. Oh, yeah, definitely a ripper, skate legend. I was thinking more like the outside interest, like playing the sitar. Whatever. Do, you know, like a like a hang hang ten nose wheeling on a picnic table. I mean, he... yeah, yeah, and like, and well, first of all, when he came out on on Powell or Powell Peralta, whatever it was called, then he was like a just a total like ripper. Like I, I recall, you know, I think I've read interviews and people say he was like the out of that whole group, that whole LA group, he was the best. You know, then he got into like you know playing like weird flutes from South America, you know, and like the the sitar and all that shit. Then like in his later years kind of like 2000 or whatever yeah like mike said he would do like manual on a picnic table air walk out you know what i mean air walk to manual shit like that so yeah i I I think he would fit in that category just in terms of like that big brother overall vibe that big brother interview with him in their first video shit is so good i loved it and it was like a nice companion to his part in las nueve vidas de paco um because unfortunately, like the way the audio is mixed in uh, in Paco, it's like the music is so low, and you can tell something cool is happening. And apparently, he was really bummed about that. Um, but in the Big Brother video, music is well mixed with the skating; it's audible. And he talks about like, yeah, I was in I was in Bolivia, and you know, talking about Martians, and and you see him, you know, just like a fascinating character in skateboarding, and. Also, remember, like, was it the uh, the chalk? No, was it the menace? Epically later, where they're talking about people like mistook his they they mistook his name for Pablo. It's like, oh, his name was Pablo. It turns out he was Paolo. But you always heard kept hearing about this guy running around the East Side, downtown LA. His name was Pablo Diaz. And oh yeah, man. And again, that ties back to last week's episode about skate mysteries. That there was like this mystique, and then to find that you have this trippy, you have this really really trippy dude who is into amazing music, and also. That I guess his lost stereo footage ended up in four and one. I think it was issue number four, uh, where it's a bunch of people skating to "Savory" by Jawbox. And it's oh him, yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's skating that. at um, he's skating at Lockwood. And God, he was so good, so had, so so cool, good. cool looking feet. Yeah, in his shoes in that footage that I can like picture not in the in the context of four one one four, but you know one of the best ofs or whatever that came after, mm-hmm. like. Black yeah. Sheltos, Black Sheltos, which is, yeah. I immediately, I remember after seeing, I was like, I got to get some. And the cool thing was you could get them uh, two for one, like Models that summer. So I had like the school pair and my skate pair. Um, I'm trying to think, who else? Like, okay, here's the other thing. Like, did Instagram fuel the proliferation of kind of weirdo trick skating like this? Or have they always been there? It's just now we have it documented. They've always been there because I've been to a a lot of local skateboard contests and they come out for those and droves i feel <laughs> now i feel bad i'm like they the other them no i mean like you know the dude that is gonna foot plant on the flat bar bump to bump flat bar and do like a, a street plant he's got long wily hair like they've always been there and there i am again now I'm, I'm feeling bad you guys um no it's the skaters have always been out there who are a step or two outside what 
you know, most folks consider the norm. Instagram just gives them the platform. And we're talking about gatekeepers earlier. There's none anymore. Um, you, you get the wonderful weirdos, and then you get those like toxic weirdos. And I'll fully own calling a toxic weirdo that like, uh, oh, that dude, he's got, he's got like dyed black hair. Mm, what's his name? What's his Instagram name? I'm so happy I can't remember. See that guy that skates in like dunks, like super rare dunks and shit. Super rare, rare drunk, super rare drunks. Jesus, <laughs> super rare dunks. And then um, it's a uh, his his screen name is after that luxury brand that makes oh oh super nice that guy scarves. like a uh, Burberry Airy or whatever Burberry Airy like that is kind of the terrible end result of you know, the democratization of skateboarding where it's a super cynical, just yes, an, for a, an, it's, it's another brand of nihilism. That's like yeah. not as cool as whatever, whatever context we brought up last time. I don't, yeah, I, don't I mean, specifically like uh, for these guys, like Todd Falcon would probably be doing like weird ass tricks on his cor- driveway quarter pipe, you know, regardless. You know, yeah. Probably, there's like he's probably doing some right now to Todd Falcon. Yeah. Like those type of guys they're Yeah. It's kind of calculated, you know, to be like an influencer or whatever. And, you know, you know, to get likes by doing like weird, like circus type tricks or just like, like one standard ass tricks in weird gear. Yeah. Yeah. That is, yeah, that, that is kind of cynical. I think like one, or, but one of y'all put that guy, Richie Jackson in the notes. He definitely fits that uh that eccentric category. Yeah, and he was in Rolling Stone, which I thought was trippy. But then I had to remind myself that oh, the uh, the piss drunks were in Rolling Stone at their absolute peak. Which, in retrospect, like thank goodness that didn't come out during like the the social media era because oh, can imagine the backlash. And also people would have been like oh, that was so unflattering. But you know, it was print. It was there, and then it was gone. And I guess it lives on online. But you know, people, things take on a second and third life when they're, you know, they're living in a mostly online space. Yeah. Like, I mean, that guy, Richie Jackson is pretty good. Like, but I, yeah, I don't think he's real calculated. Like he's definitely going to get attention with the way he dresses and looks and stuff, but I don't think it's calculated in a way that, you know, a lot of these Instagram people are, you know, that's just me. Definitely, definitely not my thing. You guys know me. Like it's not my wheelhouse, but yeah, you know, he's definitely, you know, I think he's doing his thing. Yeah, I, I, I think, you, yeah, you can't like Richie Jackson, again, regardless of what you think of the, the dress, the curly mustache and all that shit, he came out and he did skateboarding that I don't think many people had really thought about like, oh, I'm going to do, you know, maybe I'm wrong, wax, you know, wax the floor and power slide into <laughs> a pole jam and, you know, do this, do that. Like, you can't take away the skill required for that. And kind of the creative mind, at least in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And also, so I, like, is there like a whole, like, uh, isn't there a bunch of folks in Gen X, pro skaters in Gen X, who uh, actually can do all those dork tricks and occasionally would bust them out? Um, like, I remember in Dreams of Children, in one of the montages, it's Chris Markovich doing a no comply kickflip up a curb. So random. And like, that was him and his, like, I think his, when he was at the peak of his window, like his peak powers. Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot, like a lot of those dork tricks that were at the end of videos, like in the credits back then are like single tricks right now, you know? Well, it's costing in the mouse credits doing back tail, the nose wheelie. Yeah. And then I, 
it's it's hard. I've, I'll, I'll stand by this take. One of Costin's best parts is in Chomp on This, where it's a mixture of him fucking around and him, you know, doing bangers. Like, oh yeah, I mean that uh, that part is uh, damn. It's genius. it's like satire. I don't know. Like when he does like all those tricks over like manual pads all in a row. I can't remember oh, if yeah. he tricks over manual pads or like manuals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think he's doing. I think he does like let's guesstimate five manuals <laughs> on you know little little four foot pads in a parking garage. Yeah, and it's it's genius because. It, when the really skilled skaters get into doing the ex- eccentric skater business, that's when some magic happens. Yeah, I mean, that that is Costin's kind of genius, if you want yeah. to call it. I that. mean, like, at, I mean, at the end of the day, like skateboarding is like ridiculous. You know what I mean? And these guys just kind of uh, highlight that fact a little bit. Yeah. Um, oh, when what about we... taking ourselves too seriously? True. Oh, yeah, what about that... Jamie Thomas? His one of his best parts is chomp is in chomp on this as well. Like he's an extremely good skater and like would paint him himself into a corner with strictly bangers. That might be his best part. Like what was the joke part in that? Like that he was like it was a legitimately good part. Was was the joke that he was just skating to Master P or I can't remember. Was it? No, I think it was Master. I think it was Master P. No, yeah. Pretty sure it was Master P. Wait, Jamie Thomas came to Master P. And now I'm trying to remember. I haven't seen that video in years. Oh, Shit, I think man, the slapboard is going to drag us for not remembering this, you guys. I, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Master P. I mean, when Chomp on This came out, I was outside. So that's my excuse. I was outside. Yeah, that was still like in the in the era where if your shop didn't get the... No, I saw that at the beginning of like the file sharing era. Like the um, which one to call it? Like the skate I- oh, yeah. IRC, like S videos. He skated a Master P, True Hootie Who. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought that. Which actually, I think suits Jamie Thomas better than Costin skating to Master P. Make him say "Uh, Part Two. And, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, there's something about that just didn't work. I don't know. Like, can you imagine in an alternate universe if Welcome to Hell and the first couple Zero videos were fresh? How different our perception of them would be. I loved them back then, and now I'm like, yeah, really, really trying to get to this uh, different place in the multiverse, man. What the uh, and then like trilogy would be like jumping down rails and shit. Yeah, like basically trilogy would have like uh, a lot of Slayer, a lot of Maiden. Yeah, but uh, yeah, back to what Mike said about pros doing uh, circuit tricks or whatever. Yeah, like Carol on a mini ramp. I bet you he can do every stupid like twirl your board around your foot like beam plant to texas plant like jump your foot through you know what i mean like the whole like with your board type shit like ever probably that guy was a mini ramp champ and i think that's where you know i think when, when once you get an understanding of the game the skateboard game that's where the uh eccentric pro kind of loses his and futurely her luster like oh just really good skaters can do all that stuff they choose not to and then the really good skaters, and I think this is one of the things that really kind of, yeah, I'll just say what I thought, belies the grift of the eccentric skaters that the really good skaters usually look a lot better on a skateboard just in general. And they can do everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's like the, you know, the Louis Barletta paradigm, let's say. Like that dude can do everything. 
and you know like a frontside half cab south lip down <laughs> I, I can't remember if he did it down you know a double set or like a big four oh, God. that's just the the cross section of insanely difficult insanely dork eccentric as hell and you know kind of kind of perfection in a lot of ways if you're a fan of barletta you, nose wheelie tuck knee you just uh, fast <laughs> as hell you just actually yeah, impossible i think you just hit on something i think you you hit on the, the thing that that binds all these people together is that they're all really good at skateboarding and because i was kind of struggling i was like how did all these skaters do these kind of weird dorky tricks of pass i was like wait a minute you have to get good and then figure out how to do all these weird, super creative tricks. Like, like, uh, like, okay, for example, like, uh, like a Richie Jackson, right? Like, just being able to have the balance and the creativity. Like, you have to basically stare at a ledge, a manual pad, skate a ton of flat, whatever, to be able to have the to develop the discipline to be able to do what he does on a skateboard. Like, it, it's not by accident. It's not like, oh, just did a pressure flip. No, like, you got to practice a whole bunch of weird tricks. Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't take anything away from anybody skateboarding is always hard um i think you know i just reiterate that you know there there's there's certain folks who look great doing it and can do everything and then you know they they put out both yeah let's give props to costin you know put out some of the best video parts of all time i always think his mouse video part is underrated and then he can do you know skate to bite it you scum and <laughs> gg get two and a half minutes of messing around and look amazing you know wait was was he yeah. like for real for real a gg allen fan or was it just like that one halloween party of his i i think it was uh may he might be a gg allen fan uh it might be like ironic or something like uh, but i don't know you never know but yeah i'm sure uh we'd all be stoked if costume skated to gg allen one more time which brings us to the part of our show when we talk about what we're stoked on mike what are you stoked on this week that's a good question i'm stoked on as winter wanes and um it's in an incredibly gross phase here up in minneapolis where it's either oh it's mostly just like a lot of sludge everywhere so i've been riding the exercise bike in my basement and that has been getting me through these last days also stoked on lurker lou skating rocks on instagram um, he recently did a 360 flip to fakie on I, it's it's a how do you describe it? It's a large boulder but small boulder size. He did a 360 flip fakie on it, and I wouldn't have thought that possible unless I had seen it myself. Also stoked on Ja Morant, Memphis Grizzlies. He's doing wonderful things, Tear, tearing it up. He's taking, doing wonderful take, things. He's taking the league by storm. National Basketball Association by Storm. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on Spitfire Wheels. I'm stoked on Greenhouse Skate Shop in Blacksburg, Virginia, flipping their skate shop day boards to donate money to Ukraine. Uh, I'm also stoked on a big project I've been working on, which is organizing and cataloging unfinished and unreleased music by my old band, Rara Rasputin, from Washington, D.C. And finally, I'm stoked on Tom Knox UK just because jason what are you stoked on stoked on venture trucks out of san francisco california some saint a saint of a human being made a 30 minute kevin bradley re-edit of all his instagram clips and whatnot um amazing he's the best kb is the best what can you say 
and also stoked on well as the video game liaison of this podcast i'm stoked on a little mobile game called skatebud it's on the apple store or whatever pretty fun like side scrolling skate game still figuring out how to do different tricks but that's kind of cool i guess kind of like dark souls or whatever where you have to figure out the mechanics kind of on your own so if you're still if you're into mobile gaming or video games check that out on the apple store or whatever and that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check mostlyskateboarding.net for links and other show notes. Shout out Templeton for doing those every week. Until then, Wait, you can keep up with this online. Sure. Patrick, we're going to let people find you. You can find me on Twitter under the handle at Colonel K Speaks. You can find me on Instagram at Peaky Gongle, or you can follow my work with the Harold Hunter Foundation. Uh, thank you, everybody, who tuned in to our webinar earlier this week. The video is now available. The link will be available in the show notes. Mike, where can the people find you on Bobby Digital? Love it when you say it like that. I'm on Instagram and Twitter under the same handle, with the same handle, at M. Munson Rider Education. Where are you on? On Twitter, at Carbonite1994. On Instagram, at Frozen Carbonite. And writing stuff for QuarterSnacks.com. I am Pasta Noose. I be the new generation of slaves here to make papes to buy record exec rates. The pile of revenue I create, but I guess I don't get a cut because my rent's some on flake. Product of a North Carolina cat who scratched the back of a pretty woman named Hattie. Who departed life just a little too soon and didn't see me grab the plug tune fame as we go a little something like this. Look, ma, no protection. Now I got a daughter named Ayana Monet. And I can play the cowboy to rustle in the dough so the scenery is healthy with her eyes lay. I am an early bird, but the feathers are black, so the apples that I catch are usually all worms. But it's a must to decipher one's queen from a worm who plays groupie and spread around the bad germ. I cherish the twilight. I maximize my soul is the right side. I watch for the power to run out on the moon. And that'll be sometime soon. Faker than a fist of kids speaking that they're black when they're just niggas trying to be Greek. Or some tongues who lied and said we'll be natives to the end. Nowadays we don't even speak. I guess we got our own life to live. Or is it because we want our own kingdom to rule? Every now and then I step to the now For now I see back then I might have acted like a fool Now I won't apologize for it This is not a bunch of Brady's But a bunch of black man's pride Yet I can safely say I've never played a sister By touching where her private parts reside I've always walked the right side of the road If I wasn't making song I wouldn't be a thug selling drugs But a man would complain And if I was a rug cleaner Betcha possibly have the cleanest drugs I am the plug two brand with the flavor in the flute Watch the sniffing so a sack of shows in demand I read the diction from the second page I got the one-two gauge baritone to the ism fan Trees fall so I can play ground with my ink So let me lead you till my M's go I push the infinite and carry it My carry is a three over one So my plugins already know Lick shots with my will catch the booth From a ghost in the heckling crowd If I give a foot Jackville caught a spill when a spill came from my mouth I put a head down south I don't check for the noose in the neck So I never tell my M's that finesse is knocking at my door I choose to run from the rays of the burning sun And dodge a needle washing up upon a sandy shore I bring the element H with the two So you owe me what's coming when I'm raining on your new parade It's just mine over matter And what matters is that the mind isn't guided by the pun of shade I keep the walking on the right side But I won't 
don't judge the next who handles wrong and on the wrong Cause that's how he wants to be No difference, see, I wanna be like the name of this song I am The noose. I be the new generation of slaves here to make tapes to buy record exec rakes. The pile of revenue I create, but I guess I don't get a cut cause my rents are inflate. The deeds of a natural are seeds that are no longer planted, so the famine in the mind is strong. Tactics of another plane is now proven sane. Sane enough to let you know from within this song. I stabilize many cableized viewers so my occupation is known, but not why I occupy. And that is to bring the peace, not in the flower, but the Asalaamu Alaikum in the third I am. I am Nandra, and I am Nandra. 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 I am